spread the word. The JCPenney Friends and Family Sale is back. And this week, we're passing the savings on to you. Use your extra 30% off coupon to prep your home and style your family for Easter. That's extra savings on top of our great low prices. Plus, share your coupon with everyone you know and love. It's always better when we save together. JCPenney, make everybody count. Offer valid 311 through 317. Exclusions apply. See store or jcp.com for details. Saskatchewan's number one sports talk show is on. And now, starting an hour earlier, welcome inside the Radio Octagon. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Here's your host, Michael Ball. And away we go on this Friday game day, but we're in studio for an hour and a half or just under an hour and a half. Wherever you're listening, however you're listening, thanks for making us part of your day. Friday shows on the Sports Cage, the number one sports talk presentation in the province brought to you by Nelson Homes supplying home packages and RTMs for over 65 years. Our text line's powered by the Capital Auto Group 936, a 6-2 and a 6-2 if you want to get in and tell us how you think this game's going to go tonight. We'll be happy to pass that along. To you. And keep that text line in mind during the game because we do read text during the game because in Rider Nation, we all ride together. Also, uh, all our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline. Um, they got your fall cooking for you. So you just go in there. Fall's kind of the time when you don't. A lot of football, a lot of sports going on. It's the best time of year for sports. Well, it's like the perfect night to order a Western pizza. Yes, it is. Watch if, the, listen to the Rider game. Yeah. Eat some, well, you can watch the game, but listen it to it. Listen. Yeah, and it's actually a doubleheader tonight. So, uh, yeah, get your Western pizza and watch the uh, Toronto Argonauts and the Montreal Alouettes from Montreal. A Toronto win would sew up first place for them with a quarter of the season to go and, uh, or a third of the season to go. And, um, yeah, so they'll have uh, first place and uh, buy into the East final clinch for the defending Grey Cup champs. Then it's our game, Riders and the uh, Edmonton Elks. 7.30 kickoff, 4.30 pregame show. It's the next-gen lights-out game. First 7,000 fans get those light-up glasses. Uh, Zinger, though, here's what I don't understand. Is it actually going to start at 7.30? Because the Toronto game only starts at 5. So if the Toronto-Montreal game starts at 5... The average CFL game ends about 2 hours 45, 2 hours 50 minutes, I think it's been tracking. So why didn't ours start at 8? I don't get that. My eyes are bulging. I, know. I don't know. Look, they must, uh, if, it, if they're going to start this one on time at 7.30, they're going to have to do so on a different channel on the TSN Can they do that, though? Can networks? they really bump off know. poker or darts or whatever Maybe else they, they have? Maybe they have that planned. Maybe they have uh, 14 NFL pregame shows. Uh, you know, speaking of the NFL, the Philadelphia Eagles rushed for 259 yards, taking the football back 50 years as uh, they beat Detroit or uh, Minnesota, pardon me, 34 to 28. The Eagles are 2 and 0. The Vikes fall to 0 and 2. Uh, dumb rule in football. There's two in the NFL that drive me nuts. The five yard defensive holding penalty that gets you an automatic first down. Like an offense can be third and 27. The defense gets a holding penalty for five yards. It's an automatic first down. That's the most ridiculous penalty in the NFL. The second one happened yesterday too as it was a touchback on a fumble. Jefferson catches the ball. He's at the one yard line and as he's diving for the end zone, the ball slips out of his hands, goes into the end zone for a touchback and and um, Philadelphia gets the ball. Now, you're laughing because it happened to the Vikings, but you wouldn't be laughing if that happened to the Packers. No, but, it's happened before. But as my son pointed out to me, 
My son pointed this out to me. He said, Dad, there are so many rules against the defense that I'm happy for that one. That's a good one. I like that. How about Justin Jefferson? He has more receiving yards in his career than the all-time leading Chicago Bear receiver. How about that? Really? Yeah. That's crazy. How about that? A.J. Brown pouting. A.J. Brown's pouting because his team's winning and he's not getting the football. What is it? Listen, I was a receiver. I'd sit him but down. But what is it with receivers, him. man? Come on. Well, you're not going to cut him, but I get what you're saying there. Hey, and to the CFL, back to the CFL. The BC Lions get a big blow here. Their top defender, veteran Canadian linebacker, Bola Combo, on the sixth game with ribs. Uh, not eating ribs. He's got a rib injury. Uh, 66 D tackles through 12 games. He has made two special teams tackles, three sacks, two tackles for loss, three pass. Knockdowns and an interception. The Jays are slumping at the worst possible time. They got swept four straight at home by Texas, losing 9-2 last night. In those four games, the Bluebirds were outscored 35-9. to In one word, pathetic. They open a series versus the Red Sox. They're out of the playoffs looking in. And the story that just won't go away, the National Hockey League and NHLPA are meeting today with ongoing investigation of the Mike Babcock uh, looking at players' phones to see their pictures of their family, he said. Um, the more I think about this, though, Zinger, if you just got out of hot water, it wasn't the right time to do that to Babcock or for Babcock. But I don't know if that's ever the right time. Like, how would you feel if a boss, a new boss, asked to look into your phone? I. It would depend on the situation. If he just straight up asked one of his players, "Hey, give what, me your phone." No, like if he just said, "Bring up four your most recent four photos from your phone and show them to me. If he said it like that, then it's kind of like he he's technically not grabbing your phone and going through no, it. No, if he, if he demands to have your phone, it's a different thing. But And also, if he's just, hey, can I see some pictures of your family? If that's the case, yeah, like, like, I think he's I a think light- the context is being yeah. all... He's a lightning rod because he was a tough prick a-hole before as a coach, you know, like scratching Mike Madonna before his 1500 game. There's lots of stories. Oh, yeah. But he's trying to... In Dallas? Yeah, he's trying to come... He's trying to come... <laughs> actually, he was in Minnesota, I think. Oh, oh, was it? With, with Detroit. They played the Stars or someone. No, no, you're right. It was in Minnesota where he's from. Yeah. At, it was some star connection. Yeah, it was some star connection. I forget. But anyway, he, he had a bad pass. I think he truly was trying to take a different approach, but uh, may have not been a good move. Uh, who knows? In today's day and age, he could get canceled and lose his job. That'll be very, very interesting. All right. Let's get to the football talk because we are your voice of Saskatchewan Rough Rider football and the Canadian Football League. There's no reason to go anywhere else or do anything but tune into this radio station on game day we are the longest most comprehensive coverage we usually go nine hours and now we're going ten and a half with uh, some cfl talk most of the rest of the way will be cfl talk and let's hear from coach craig dickinson in the lead up to this one tonight um evan's playing good and uh, uh excuse me and uh, logan furlan's playing good and we feel like uh philip is a guy we want on the field but, um, you know, he's coming off an injury, and we feel like in a week or two, he maybe he pushes those guys for the starting spot. But right now, we feel like his best spot is coming in as a sixth. He's not 100% now, and I don't know if he will get there, but he's, he's working through it. He's a tough guy. He wants to play. He feels like he's able to play effectively, and he's done a good job this week in practice. And, you know, we're going to use him. We're going to have some packages where we have six old linemen. First game was decided by one yard. Second game was decided by one point. 
Should we expect another close game tomorrow? I think so. Yeah, I think I think they're a good team. I think they match up well with us, and we we, we with them. And so I think you're going to see another uh, knockdown, dragout game that's going to come down to the wire. Do they? They obviously have more belief in their locker room. Is that a little bit? You know, it's obviously a different task, you know, facing a team that was oh and whatever when you guys faced them last, but now they seem to have more belief. Yeah, it's, you know, when a team has confidence, they play harder for longer. And they do have confidence. You can tell that they believe in the guy throwing the ball for them now, and, uh, and you can sense a different vibe in the, in the air with them. So um, it's going to come down, Taylor, to who plays best. I mean, teams are, both teams are going to come out motivated. The game means a lot for both teams. And ultimately, it's just going to come down to who plays better, who's more physical, who makes the plays at the end of the game to win it. What's your biggest concern about facing Trey Ford? Keeping him in the pocket. He can really move. And I know he's going to escape a few times. And when he does escape, he can beat you with his legs or he can extend the play and beat you downfield. So I want to keep him in the pocket as best we can. Um, easier said than done. His arm strength is a little bit better than I think most people think. Yeah, he's a good quarterback. I mean, coming out of Waterloo, we looked at his pro day, and um, when he's in shotgun, he's really good. And that's what the CFL is. It's a shotgun league. So um, I'm not surprised he's been successful. I'm surprised he's been as successful as he is so soon. But I, I think he's always had it in him, and he's a good football player, and I'm, I'm happy and proud of him that he's playing well and doing, doing good things, and especially to get new fans. I think new players bring in new fans, generate interest. I think it's important for the league to keep investing in, in developing young quarterbacks. And hopefully these young quarterbacks continue to grow and have success because that's when I think uh, it feels like a shot in the arm, a shot of good energy in the, in the, in the arm when you got good young quarterbacks coming out there, names you haven't seen before playing well. What do you expect from Tremaine Washington in his first start tomorrow? I just expect a, a, a solid game, top to bottom. He's a, he's a true pro. He's been in the league before. He's been in a couple different leagues. I expect him to come in and not miss not miss a beat in terms of knowing the calls, being where he's supposed to be, where he's when he's supposed to be there. And you know he's got ball skills. So if if a ball comes to him, I expect him to intercept it. You said earlier this week that uh, the the game in Winnipeg, everybody's put it in the rearview mirror. Have you got a, a sense of? You guys have done that? Yep, I have. You know, it seems like it was a long time ago and it was only five days today. So, um, and we, we emphasized that all week too. Our focus was on Edmonton and here's why. And we really tried to emphasize that with the players. And I think they've done a good job of taking that message and running with it. It's a big game for us this week. And what happened last week is long in the past. Defense knows they have to have a bounce back game. You know, we talked a lot about what we need to do to play better and a lot of it was just do your job, not try to do too much. So defense, I think, is hungry to go out there and prove that they're a better unit than what you saw last week. What type of atmosphere has there typically been during the lights out game from past experience? It's pretty neat. Um, you know, you got to get out early because if the lights are out, especially you get older, you might trip over something and, and fall, and I don't want that. So I'll get out a little earlier than normal. But it's neat. It's neat to see the lights all drop and, and to see – the stands full of green and white and whatever lights we got. So I think the guys like it. And it, and it really, to me, it signifies kind of a throwback to the Friday night lights, the, the high school football that we all grew up playing where you play at night. And, and that guy, Coach Craig Dickinson, that guy, Coach Craig Dickinson, he is um, he is like a human being. Like he doesn't sleep and eat and drink football. He actually lives a bit of a life, rides his bike, reads books. 
And even he doesn't understand all this pomp and pageantry. He doesn't get the, I don't know, they call it the banjo ball, doesn't matter to me. Uh, The lights or however many lights we've got. It's hilarious. (laughs) They are such, they're just different ducks. Uh, When we come back, we'll talk to a football coach and reporter, Farhan Lalji, joining us next in the sports cage for Nelson Holmes on 620 CKRM. Where Saskatchewan sports fans come to talk. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. I feel like they should play this for the lights out game, right when the lights are down. Huh? Get some Virginia Tech in your veins. Get going. Get bouncing. <laughs> Let's go to the uh, Western Pizza Hotline. Say at our Farhead Lalji. I don't know if you, you've traveled around. I don't know if you've ever been to Virginia Tech, but there isn't a better intro than that one anywhere. Oh, my goodness. You're so right. Yeah, I'm surprised they don't do that in Saskatchewan. Yeah. Um, but it, it is so well executed, and it's so simple, right? It's that music, and it's every st- fan in the stands bouncing up and down. It is completely intense. I love it. Did you see the one where uh, Metallica actually introed it for, on the big screen? It I, was cool. <laughs> I saw I saw it on YouTube. It was awesome. Yeah, it's crazy. Hey, uh, what are you making of this whole Dion thing? Now he gives all his kids sunglasses because the Colorado State coach said took a shot of Dion that my mom taught me to take off my hat and sunglasses when talking to people, and he said he he's basically was why did they go do that? They messed up a perfect a perfectly good game, and now they made it personal. So now he handed out sunglasses to all his players because he's apparently tied into a sunglass line. Uh, what do you make of the coach Dion Sanders? Well, I mean, look, first of all, I don't know why Jay Norvell would feel the need to say that, given how ordinary that program has been over the 4-8 and eight last year. And so, you know, they're setting themselves up for a bit of a beating, and now this is just added to that. <laughs> but look, if it wasn't going to be this, it was going to be something, right? Like, we both know that Dion was going to find a reason to make, you know, Jay Norvell just served it up on a platter for him, but... Look, Dion's the master of manufacturing motivation and suggesting that he's scorned and that, you know, people don't believe and all the other BS that goes with it. It's working for him. But, um, yeah, like I said, I don't know why Jay Norvell had to say it. He didn't help himself. I'm looking forward to that. Before we get to quick CFL talk, I'm looking forward to the Ravens-Bengals. I want to see how the Bengals respond on home turf after getting uh, pushed around by Cleveland. Yeah, could you have imagined that the Bengals and Bills and the Chiefs all would have lost game one? And, you know, how much of this is a product of a number of quarterbacks just not getting a lot of time in the preseason, right? Because it's now down to three games. You know, in Burroughs' case, mm-hmm. he was injured going into it, right? And, hey, guys, as we're watching what happened to Aaron Rodgers, you better hold your breath a little bit with Joe Burrow because you don't want him, after a calf injury, to be set up for an Achilles injury going forward. So, you know, a, a lot of rust offensively. But uh, that team with those weapons should not have been that ordinary. You know, and maybe even made the O line upgrades they needed to make. And yet, I was surprised to see it as bad as it was. Worst, uh, worst rule in football, in my opinion, in the NFL's the defensive five yard holding penalty. Like your offense could be second and twenty seven, the defense gets a holding penalty, five yards, automatic first down. But second is the fumble in the end zone is a touchback. Man, Minnesota got burned yesterday. Yeah, it's a tough call, right? I mean, you know, yeah, I know in our league it would bring that back to the one-yard line, and 
I was, uh, like, it was a pretty clear call when it happened. I think they got it right. It's mm-hmm. unfortunate. You know, nobody whined about the rule, but it's tough to have to work all that way to get there. And, you know, I think optically it becomes a little different if you get hit and it goes right out of the back of the end zone. I know it's all the same when it just goes a foot around the, the pylon, but certainly a difference maker because when you look at the performance that Justin Jefferson put up and he really took off after that play, like he owned it, that it was his fault and he just kind of went to town and, you know, you look at uh, Darius Slay the last time they matched up and, and Slay won it. He certainly didn't this time. And Kirk Cousins, despite the loss, put up some really, really good numbers again as well. Yeah, I don't think the Vikings are done yet. They they battled till the end in both games. It's going to be uh, very interesting to see how that division shakes down. I... Um... I'm looking at this game tonight, and Farhan, you know, uh, uh, you know, your son plays. You've coached for a number of years. You've covered the game. The a thing we call intangible, and one of that is pride, pride. And I think the Riders are going to bounce back with a prideful game, like much like they did against Montreal. But this is the time. This is like last year. This was when the Riders' season started to circle the drain. Edmonton came in here and really dealt a, a death blow to their playoff hopes. Yeah, I'm picking Saskatchewan in this one. Uh, you know, I, I don't know that Trey Ford is going to consistently pull off miracles for the final six weeks of the year. And Saskatchewan is just a better football team. And you're right. I, you know, I, I don't think anybody, including a lot of people in that Saskatchewan room, really felt they were going to win that game in Winnipeg. Right? And, you know, you, you certainly heard that from the comments after the fact. And, I mean, look, nobody thought they were going to get beaten down the way they were. But um, I, I certainly agree with you. I think pride is going to be a big piece of what happens here, and, uh, you know, these are the games that become so much more important, right? Like, you can't lose two points here. You've got to stay ahead. I mean, you know, the Riders are in an interesting position because they are, you know, they're ahead of Calgary, but they're not too far ahead, and they're not too far behind BC, right? So they still have a lot to play for in both directions, much like BC's going to tomorrow for the same reasons, right? Like, Winnipeg's within earshot, but Saskatchewan's not far away. So I I think we're going to get the Riders' best effort, and... um, Pride is the right word. We have seen this before. Uh, the Edmonton then Eskimos were sixteen and two. They smoked the Riders. Riders came back and won the eighty nine uh, West final. Went on to win the Grey Cup. The Toronto Argonauts can clinch the East tonight with like, like a, a third of the season to go. How do they play this one if they clinch it tonight? Wow, I, you know I think there's going to be a period of time where you've got to just play it. Great, don't you? Right? I mean, Winnipeg's been through this, but never to this degree, right? Where it was clinched six weeks out. Even though we might have known it was heading in that direction, uh, you know, this this hasn't been the norm. So I think Toronto, which which has a young coaching staff that really has done well with every test, might now get their biggest one, right? And one of the things early on in the year, I was always blown away by how aggressive they were able to be with their substitutions and how competitive they made practice, right? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, Jamal Peters, who I thought was one of the best corners in the league, all of a sudden just gets sat down. And they've got a really great rotation along the defensive line as far as their imports are concerned, and they get to sit down players that other teams would kill for, right? So they're going to have to manage that. They're going to have to manage the hunger factor, and it's not going to be easy. Like, I I do think there are going to be moments where they stub their toe and then Ryan Dinwiddie's going to be in a situation where he's got to either just react or overreact in order to kind of get everybody dialed in, right? So it, it's a challenge. I'm curious to see how they handle it. And lastly, let's switch gears because you cover hockey out there in Vancouver. You know the NHL. Um, wh- what are you making of this Babcock story? I-, I thought it was a nothing burger, but maybe it's not. And uh, you think he could lose his job over this thing? That's a, It's a great question, Paul. He's like, I... I 
I think that's the elephant in the room, right? As they go through an investigation, right? That might become the eventual outcome. And that's uh, going to be disappointing. Like, I, look, I don't know that the intent was to be what this is all being made out to be. Like, it certainly sounds to me like the real intent was to get to know his players a little bit better. But if you know Mike Babcock, he is awkward, right? And when he when he spent time at, uh, at coaching University Hockey in Saskatchewan for the one year, I, you know, I don't know if you got to know him better there or anything like that, but he is awkward. There's simply no way around it. And he's been that way since I covered him when he got to the final with the Ducks and then soon after that worked a year with TSN. And every interaction I had with him was always awkward. So I can <laughs> certainly see how this was a well the plan that just was poorly, poorly executed, right? And, and look, I, I think he's been through a lot with why he lost his last job. So, you know, I, I do think he's trying to manage and, and do the right things and, and not just, you know, not be seen in that light because he knows how he's being perceived and that everybody's watching. So, it, but it, it's tough, right? I mean, every player, whether, look, it could be something like that. It could be a racist remark, whatever it could be. And, I, and I'm not saying he said anything racist. I'm just talking about anybody in any context. And if there's 10 people in the room, five people are going to take it differently, right? Yeah. So, so that's a tough world for Mike Babcock to operate in. Yeah, absolutely. It's never been tougher to be in the public eye for sure. Thanks for your time, Farhan. Enjoy the weekend of football. All right. Enjoy the game and have a good weekend. Yeah, thanks. You too, man. We'll take a break and be back uh, with our news package and more, including Regina Rams talk and Pat Chat with Nolan Cole, the voice of the PA Raiders, here on 620 CKRM. Sports ticker time at 3.34. And, hey, the Toronto Blue Jays, they were swept at home in a four-game series for the first time in franchise history in the month of September. How about that? So Toronto fell once again on Thursday night to Texas. Now with 15 games remaining in the regular season, Toronto, they're going to need to do some scoreboard watching the rest of the way. Plus, yes, of course, they need to win themselves if they are to make the playoffs. Jays are one and a half games back of the Seattle Mariners for the uh, for the third and final wild card. And the Blue Jays welcome the Boston Red Sox to Rogers Center tonight for a three-game weekend series. First pitch is at 5.07. From throwing heats to crushing dingers and the occasional walk-off, we're talking baseball with the latest on the Toronto Blue Jays. Every Friday at this time, we do the Blue Jays Report. We catch up with the voice of the Toronto Blue Jays on the radio, Ben Wagner. He joins us every Wednesday for Around the Horn. And, of course, when we talked to him, they were in the middle of that four-game homestand against the Texas Rangers. Well, it didn't go well. The Jays got beat all four games, outscored 35-9. to But, Jays fans... The season's not over yet. And you're in a you're in the mix here along with the Rangers and Mariners. They play each other seven times down the stretch, so not all is lost for the Blue Jays. Certainly not. You look at it today, you're a game out of a wild card spot, a game out of the postseason. That's where it is, and nothing is gonna be easy. If this was a battle of within the division, everybody would be talking about this is the toughest division in baseball, this is the grind, it's gonna go down to the end. Well, you know what? You don't get your eyes on the American League Western Division teams a lot because we're all sleeping so you have to you have to take it for what it's worth these are three teams that are going to be beating up each other they play a lot head-to-head and there's a final of those seven games between the Mariners and the Rangers four of them are in Seattle so that will be a very very big series for them 
certainly that means the final three for the Blue Jays for whatever the Rays are playing for. They still think in Tampa Bay they can make a run at the Orioles. Um, but Baltimore continues to play very, very well. So it's going to come down to the very final hours. We're on a rampage. From sideline to sideline, the sports cage has you of Rams football covered. Former longtime head coach of the Regina Rams, and he was also a player on the 1973 Regina Rams team, a team which is being celebrated this weekend here at Mosaic Stadium. Frank McChrystal, I want to talk about the 1973 team uh, you were a part of, but how have things been for yourself since, you know, stepping away from the head coaching role? Do you miss being around the game at all? Uh, you know, I, I'm not, I, I haven't really missed. Um, missed a lot. Like I, the games themselves are always fun, and uh, certainly being around the the players and and coaches and stuff is always fun. Uh, but I, you know, I, I'm like I said, I was there as the head coach from 1984 to 2014, and I was an assistant coach for five years before that, and I played for five years. So I, I think in total it was 41 years of of Rams football. So I, I'm, I was ready to step away and, and, um, actually, um, enjoying just, uh, being able to be away, you know, instead of being locked into practice every night or, or recruiting or, or those types of things. So, but it's been, it's fine. Yeah. Well, Hey, it's a big weekend here in Regina celebrating the 1973 national champion Regina Rams. So what are the first thoughts that come to mind when you think of that team? Well, you know, it's again, it's like 50 years ago. Yeah, so, uh, <laughs> testing your memory. Some of the, yeah, some of the things. Um, you know, I was at a an a camp, a campion awards night uh, a while back, and and I think there was 11 guys on that team that were from Campion, uh, and in those days you only could dress 32. I think you could carry 32 and dress 30 is how it went for playoffs, and so. I, I thought that was kind of cool and pretty significant. Um, you know, I, I certainly uh, think about some of the people that were involved as coaches and directors and players that have since passed. You know, we've uh, some great players and, you know, people that uh, whose names would be recognized in the city, like Terry Hinks, for example, and um, Brian Sipe and Roy Shiplack, three guys from Scott Collegiate, that were starters on that offensive line and they, um, they passed, have passed way too soon. So, you know, they, it, those kinds of things, you know, it kind of, when you, you talk about, do you miss things? Well, yeah, I kind of miss, miss um, uh, my time with those guys and, and sure wish that they would be available and around to, to share some memories with and some chuckles. And then, I mean, obviously some of the big plays in the game as were important um, and kind of stand out too. Yeah, you and those guys went on quite the run that year. You beat the Hilltops in a two-game total point series. Then you beat Vancouver. Then you beat Edmonton, the Edmonton Huskies. Then you traveled across Canada to meet the Ottawa Sooners in the national title game. That's a lot of football games right there just to get to a championship. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was a lot. And, you know, uh, the thing that happened that, that year, they they changed the age of junior football. Uh, all of junior football could go to age 22, but the Man Sask League, which is the league that we were in at that time, remained at 21. So we were we were playing uh, 
teams that had 22-year-olds on, and uh, we could only go as, as far as 21. So, you know, that was a difference. I mean, the Rams had been so successful under, under Gord Curry in the, uh, through the early 70s that the other leagues thought that they needed a leg up, and, and they did change it, uh, did, did change the age restriction. So we were 20, uh, a team uh, with an age limit of 21 playing teams when we got out of our conference uh, with age of 22. So I I thought that that was, that's pretty significant too, as well as the fact that we were, we were pretty young. I I was 19 then. So, you know, we had a bunch of guys around my age. You mentioned Gord Curry. What kind of coach was Gord Curry? Yeah, I kind of anticipated this question. You know, uh, he was, honest and fair and calm um, and had uh, certainly a, a way of, of understanding the, the fundamental, simple, common sense things that would make you successful. And, uh, you know, did not allow himself and, and thinking too much to get in the way of, you know, the, the nuts and bolts of successful football and more importantly, uh, successful people and and contributions to your community. Did you take a lot from the way that Gord Curry was? Did you implement that when you became a head coach? Yeah, I have no question about it. Yeah, I mean, uh, for sure. You know, there was myself and, and we had other coaches that uh, were under Curry too, like Jerry Orban, who has since passed, mm-hmm. um, Bernie Schmidt, uh, who I'm still close friends with. Um, you know, we were we were coaching, and uh, you know, when we first started through the through the '80s, Doug Zimmerman was another guy that was our defensive coordinator, and he had he had played under Gord Curry in those early '70s. So um, we all we all took from Gord and tried to you know as much as we could um, make that sort of our our way of coaching. And you know, I'm asked about it a lot, a lot but I mean, Gord Curry was just very special, and it's hard to replicate Gord Curry, but what you would certainly want to do is your very best to uh, respect and honor the way he treated people and and the way he approached uh, games and competition. Thanks for this, Frank. You bet. That's Frank McChrystal. Yeah, so the Rams play the Calgary Dinos coming up here tomorrow. It's a 2 o'clock kickoff. Yes, sir. One thirty pregame show with our buddy Sean Kleisinger and Ryan Hall on the call. We'll get into the nuts and bolts of the game here in a second. I do want to bring this up, though. Gord Curry, maybe the greatest amateur coach in Saskatchewan history. At least Regina history, for sure. I can I can confidently say Regina history. And Frank McChrystal is number two in my books. And I have... I submitted the paperwork a long time ago, this on Hall of Fame weekend. I've submitted the paperwork a long time ago. I've double and triple checked. It's in there. So it's in the queue. And I hope he gets inducted into the Canadian Football Hall of Fame at some point because he was a great player, 73 team. Mm-hmm. He was a great uh, coach. And he was the guy, the face of it. There were a lot of people behind him, but the face of it that brought junior football to the university ranks. That first year, they went 0-8. The next year, they were in the Vanier Cup with the John Ryans, the Neil Hughes, the Jason yeah. Claremonts, the Darrell Eason's. and Those damn Ottawa GGs. But think of all the NFL guys, yeah. CFL guys. Coming from this 
little old undergraduate school, which is really a small market school. So he deserves, along with the likes of Bernie Schmidt and those guys, they deserve all the accolades. And I'm happy the 73 team is being honored. My old teammate and an ex-Rams coach who sadly passed away here just a couple months ago was uh, Tom McCallum. He's going to be honored too before that game. And something else very cool that I just got uh, a notification about from uh, Larry Mueller. They've got... uh, They've got uh, U of R tuition giveaway. One tuition prize of 5000 will be awarded to one winner. Entrance must be a current student at the U of R and be in attendance for the game tomorrow. Raffle will occur at halftime with selected students participating in a game to determine the winner of the tuition prize. University students may obtain a free ticket sponsored by the Regina Rams alumni. So we got the game here, Zinger. This is a, this is a huge game for the Rams. In U Sports football... If you don't win at least three of your home games, and they've already dropped one to UBC, if you don't win three of your home games, you don't have a very good chance of making the playoffs. So now, fortunately for the Rams, the U of S and UBC are 2-0, and and then there's a bunch, there's U of A, the next team, and then everybody else is like, they haven't won. Mm-hmm. So, so there's an opportunity. Now the Rams are playing some teams that you legitimately think they have a good chance to beat, and they are favored in this game. Yeah, so Calgary tomorrow, and then next week at Manitoba, both those teams have zero wins in the standings, yeah. so this these next two games for the Rams... I'm just gonna say it. It's it's the they gotta se- win this game. The season's the season. over. If they don't win this it's game, the season man. If the game is if they don't win this game tomorrow, and I'm a former Ram. If they don't win this game tomorrow, she's over. Lights out. Season's over. So they gotta win this game. I think they will win this game. Dom Britton was supposed to be the quarterback for Calgary. He's Seb Britton, the former Ram quarterback's brother. Yeah, he helped Oken- brother. He helped Okanagan win the uh, Canada Bowl here, Canadian Bowl against the the uh, Thunder here last November. But he's not playing in the game. He's not playing, and also. Uh, his brother as well, I believe his name's Tom Receiver. He okay. also got hurt last week, okay. so both the Britons aren't playing. Tomorrow, what are we doing with the Rams quarterback? And do I, we know yet? I think it's a wait and see type of thing. I don't, okay, yep, yeah, I'm not quite sure at this okay. point. Yeah. Okay, so it's uh, yeah, because they've struggled on offense. Noah Pelche hasn't been spectacular, yep. um, and he knows that. Noah Pelche is the starter on the depth chart, so that's as as far as we know. That's mm. Noah Pelche going into the game. Tomorrow, he's going to be the guy. So, so they got a little tailgate action there. You can go uh, get there early, get your uh, beverages and your burgers, and enjoy the football game. It's the uh, Regina Rams and the Calgary Dinos. Of course, we've got the Rough Riders on tap here uh, tonight. Big, week, big weekend. Huh? Big weekend. 4.30 pregame show, 7.30 kickoff. Daniela Ponticelli, Don Hewitt, the professor, and Wes Cates will be live in the Harvard Studio 6.20 for the pregame show. We have an abbreviated uh, sports cage here today uh, brought to you by our friends at Nelson home supplying home packages and RTMs for over 65 years. Also, Regina Pats hockey is tonight. They wrap up the preseason in Prince Albert against the Raiders. And we're going to talk to the voice of the Raiders, Nolan Cole. It's Pat Chat next, but we take a look across the ice at the opponents tonight. It's the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Sports Cage. Now back to the action on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Pat Chats for the Canadian Brew House. They've got a great patio you could take in. Still some warm weather 
So you can have your beverages and food outside, but inside they got great restaurant too. Two locations, one in Eastgate and one in Harbor Landing, Grasslands here in Regina, one in Moose Jaw. And uh, yeah, all the sports under one roof, great menu with all a bunch of flavors and cocktails, you name it, it's great. And you get to watch sports. That is outstanding, like NFL action on Sunday, CFL action tonight, two games. Although you probably want to be home listening to it on the radio, so not going to lie to you. Uh, Let us head out on the... uh, Western Pizza Hotline. And yeah, um, the Pats are playing tonight. We will uh, not have that across our regular airwaves because of the Rough Rider broadcast. They're playing the Prince Albert Raiders, a new voice of the Raiders and the friend of the show, Nolan Cole. We had him on when he just got the job. How how have you settled into the Western Hockey League, Nolan? Yeah, hey, Ballsy, good to speak with you again. Uh, it's been good so far. It's been a bit of a whirlwind. Uh, still getting used to the community up here and had a chance to meet uh, a number of the players and most people uh, in the Raiders organization. So got to call uh, one game just on the WHL live stream uh, about a week ago and uh, going into my second one tonight here with the Pats in town. Awesome, man. Uh, how have the Raiders looked so far? What can we expect from uh, Curtis Hunt's team? Yeah, the uh, the expectations are, are a lot higher this year for this, uh, for this team, Ballsy. Obviously, they missed out last year on the playoffs. They have a younger team. I know, you know, just speaking with Curtis here earlier uh, in, uh, in the summer prior to camp, he, he does expect them to be a playoff team. I know the coaching staff is holding, you know, some of these younger players to a higher standard uh, this year than maybe, you know, last year. And, and uh, you know, I think this is a young, exciting team that, you know, is probably going to play with a lot of speed and skill this season. And, and um, you know, I think it'll be a fun, exciting team to watch for the fans. I know the fans are expecting a lot more this year. So, um, you know, optimism is, is high right now. But, you know, it is it is still the preseason. They've won their first two preseason games. I don't put a lot of stock into those. So we'll see, I guess, once it gets going for real uh, a week from tonight. So uh, you haven't called one. Have you called one yet? You have called one yet from the from the old barn there. How do you like uh, How do you like doing games there? Yeah, it's 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 a little bit of an environment change from what I was used to at Affinity Place down in Estevan. But uh, it's an older rink. I'm told they are uh, you know getting a new one within the next few years. Um, but but I do like the where the press box is located. I like the uh, the vantage point. You know, you're pretty close to the ice. You're right on top of the action. And obviously, you know, those older rinks have a lot of character and history in them, and the Arthauser Center is one of those. And I'm told, I'm told it can get very loud in there during uh, some of those games, particularly in the playoffs that are that are sold out. So, you know, looking looking forward to being a part of that environment for sure. I'm gonna let you go here, but uh, how much were you gloating after your Bombers smoked the Riders? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was a, that was a good one to watch for us Bomber fans. Ballsy, it seems like the Riders never come to compete in that Banjo Bowl game anymore. I'm not sure what it is, but it's not good for the CFL when you see a, a lopsided score like that. But uh, we'll take it, and uh, we'll see how it goes down the stretch, I guess, for both teams. Were you brave enough to wear those ugly Bomber colors at the Labor Day Classic, or you stayed away? No, I, I was at I was at the game last year, but I, I couldn't make it this year. So, yeah. Uh, but hopefully, uh, I'd like to go again in the future. Well, wow, we're okay. One fewer Bomber fan, the better. Get out, get out of here. Anyway, Nolan, glad you got that job. Can't wait to see you when you come to Regina, okay? Thanks, Ballsy. Have a good call tonight. Yeah, appreciate it, man. Thanks. That's Nolan Cole joining us um, uh, from Prince Albert. Pat's take on the Raiders. Uh, I'm sorry, I should know this. Do, do we have it on? Uh, do we have the game covered somewhere, or no, not tonight? I believe our lone preseason broadcast was, was on one, was okay. on Wednesday. So yep. we, we just 
whetted your appetite, and now you'll have to get ready for regular season action. Pats actually, on September the 22nd, open up their season in Brandon, and then the next night are here against the Saskatoon Blades, yeah, if so I'm not mistaken. One so, week from tonight, yeah. the game, the Pats game will be on RM2 because the, the Raiders we're in Ottawa, are, yeah. yeah. So. And, then, and, then, and then on the 23rd, it's going to be a sports spectacular because oh, yeah. on the 23rd at night, it's the Blades taking on the Pats, and they usually have like a barbecue and pep rally before every year. Oh, yeah. So you watch out. But before you listen to Dante to carry next Saturday here, the home opener, the Rams are in Winnipeg to take on the Bisons, and our buddy Sean Kleisinger will be there. Uh, his dad's driving him down the old highway. Time to go on a yeah, roadie. Old Patrick going to take you on a road trip to Winnipeg. Talk about father-son bonding. You guys are going to have to watch each other's back when you're rolling into town there. It's going to be like Dumb and Dumber on the highway, you know? <laughs> <laughs> that John Denver's full of... <laughs> Still get pulled over by the cop. What are you drinking? What's that case? Yeah, what are you drinking? <laughs> <laughs> highway 1. That's got to be the scene. <laughs> anyway. Hey, coming up here after 4 o'clock in this... Uh, abbreviated edition of the Sports Cage. We're going to hear from our NFL betting analyst, Andy McNamara, our clutch performer, which goes back to the Eagles' victory yesterday, and our Sports Cage Rewind with Trevor Harris updating us on his injury status. This is the Sports Cage on a Friday for Nelson Holmes on 620 CKRM. 620 CKRM is proud to be the official radio partner of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and your home for the hottest sports talk anywhere. This is the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. Friday show is brought to you by Nelson Home, supplying home packages and RTMs for over 65 years. You can always text us on our Capital Auto Group text line, 936-6262. Maybe you have some tech, uh, text for our next guest, Andy McNamara, our NFL betting expert. Uh, yesterday's game, the Philadelphia Eagles took football backwards about 50 years. Did they ever smash <laughs> the Vikings in the face with a run game? They sure did from the running back, from the quarterback running it. It was uh, it was all over the place. It was. And it once again showed that Kirk Cousins is amazing for fantasy football. But, man, in real life under prime time, he cannot get it done when it counts. Yeah, fumbling. And, yeah, it was, it was, a, was not a great performance. Although, I'll give the Vikings credit. The last two weeks they've lost, but they fought till the end. I don't think yeah. – I, th- I think we'll still hear from the Minnesota Vikings, but it's interesting. They were 11-1 and in one-score games last year, and now they're 0-2. Mm, yeah, see, and, and that's how quickly it can shift. One thing goes wrong, and all those wins go the other way. The good thing for the Vikings, even though they're 0-2 – that division, that NFC North, is still very much up for grabs. I think a real, it'll be really interesting to see how the Lions come out after that huge, the parades thrown for the Lions after beating the Chiefs, and rightfully so. Now you play Seattle, who's definitely beatable, but how do they look? Because if the Lions come out and they pummel Seattle, uh, Lions are going to be definitely the favorite to win that division. Two things that people aren't talking enough about. First off, I don't think Buffalo and Kansas City are going to be as good as everybody thought this year, and I think we're seeing shades of that in Week 1. I don't want to overreact, but uh, Allen misses Brian Dable, who's coaching now in uh, with the yeah. Giants, and Josh Allen's kind of a tire fire. And when Travis Kelsey isn't there, there's nobody to catch the football for mm. Patrick Mahomes. Oh, boy. I uh, can't. If Kelsey was uh, was due for a contract renewal, uh, you would just have to back up all the money to him. Because you're you're right, it, it looked it looked in shambles, and not Patrick Mahomes' fault. Like Darius Tony, bye, like go away. You're not. They brought him in. They traded for him. 
to be the new Tyreek Hill. No, come on, nowhere close. This is a a guy on the, off the field issues, on the field inconsistency, not interested. And the Brian Dable thing, Josh Allen misses him, and Giants have a huge chance to have a bounce back against the Cardinals after putting up a goose egg against the uh, Cowboys in week one. The other thing people aren't talking enough about, and this will put a smile on your face, the Cleveland Browns. I know it was a, mm-hmm. I know it was on a rain-soaked field, but uh, they smashed the uh, Cincinnati Bengals. If they mm. play like that, they're going to be a force in the AFC. Oh, yeah, Ballsy was great. Oh, man, I'm still smiling. I'm still smiling over it. Yeah, the defense, that defense of Cleveland, holy moly. Like, uh, Joe Burrow... There's an argument to be made he probably shouldn't have been on the field with how that leg was, but he was on the field, and it was bad conditions, and you played in the conditions where you're at, and the Browns' defense absolutely smashed them. So you're right. It is a, a chance, and you're going to have another chance going up against the Pittsburgh Steelers and baby hand, baby uh, uh, Kenny Pickett on Monday Night Football. Yeah. And with the Browns and everyone said, hey, 20, 20 in a row, Baldy, 20 in a row, Monday night home football games that the Pittsburgh Steelers have won. The Browns have not won in the regular season there since 2003. I think that changes Monday night. I agree. I think that's my uh, quote-unquote upset, although I don't think it's really going to be much of an upset. I think we're starting to see coaches kind of reconsider not dressing their players in the preseason because the first – uh, games we've watched this uh, year have been ugly, uglier than normal. Oh, yeah. It used to be, it used to be four preseason games, and then generally teams would dress their starters for the first half of the third preseason game, but that's not the case anymore. No, now it's been cut back even more. Now you have three. Plus, I remember after that last preseason game, you have one another like. 10, 15 days, depending how the schedule falls. Like mm-hmm. there's, there's another long layoff, and you're seeing it's that balance of. Well, you don't want to be the coach who looks like an idiot having your player out getting hurt. But also, then you're looking, you're not really hitting your stride till week four. And that's how you, you can be out of the playoff conversation in some divisions if you're not into it by week four. I really think, back to the Chiefs, they're gonna, they, could, they have the potential to start 0-2. They're in Jacksonville this week. Yeah, Jacksonville, that's, that's, a, that's a game where I think the Chiefs will win and rebound because they're very well coached, you know, Patrick Mahomes, all that. But the Jags are very tough out. They still are ascending. And that's a team where you look at them, not that there's some huge uh, Jacksonville home field advantage, but look at the line here. The Chiefs are only favored by three against the Jaguars at home. That's, Vegas is trying to tell us something, Ballsy, okay? Yeah. They're trying to tell us something. And what they're trying to tell us is that that Jags team is real good, and if Kelsey isn't 100% out there or whatever, and, and you have the same gaps with receivers, we could be talking an upset here. Yeah, I think we got to buy uh, Brock uh, Purdy stock now. It's not a pretend act here. Man, and with that defense, right, too? Like, San Francisco so good. and um, It's just a situation where you look at the, uh, the 49ers and that QB-friendly system. It really makes you think about – how bad Trey Lance must have been. Because it seems like any other quarterback goes in there and thrives because of the system. So how bad was Trey Lance behind closed doors that we didn't see? Yeah. That's what that's one of my takeaways of that. Yeah. And they're favored by nine and a half over the Giants. This is a <laughs> this is a rough stretch for uh, for New York after being shut out, and then you go up against arguably the best defense in football. That's uh, that's good luck. So uh, who do you got in the toilet bowl? Colts and Texans. 
Oh, man. Uh, first of all, I'm not watching that no, one. No, me neither. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that, one, that one seems absolutely terrible. Um, look, it's like, okay, I, like, I, I guess the, the Colts, maybe, like it's one and a half points. Like Vegas doesn't even want anything to do with this game. One and a half point favorites are the Texans. I liked what I saw out of Anthony Richardson, Michael Pittman connection. I did. I was actually kind of surprised on that. So you know what? I'll say Texans at home. It's home field travel. I think it'll be a dog game in like 13, 10, something awful. I'm buying, uh, I'm buying Jordan Love stock, man. Man. Um, I bashed him. I'm not, I'm not fully bought in yet. I'm uh, but I, I'm also going to try not to be too stubborn. I was impressed. There were three touchdowns. And now we look at it and it's like, okay, well, for the Packers, you're going into Atlanta. And here's what I'm confused about. Um, how, how are the Falcons favored in this game? No idea. Like, I, 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 I'm very, I'm looking at it. Now it's one and a half point favorites, but still the Falcons didn't do much on offense. The Packers won against the Bears defense that I could argue is at least as good, if not better than the Falcons. I don't know. Like that's that seems like uh, some pretty nice money there to me, and and a straight up win is plus one hundred two for the pack. So I I'm definitely going Green Bay here. Hey, uh, you know I'm a Chargers fan. How the yeah. heck does Brandon Staley still have a job? Can somebody help me oh, out with this? Man, I know this is this has got. Look, if it doesn't work this year, he's got to be gone. Right? Like it's it's got to be over for him. This is it's 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 ridiculous. You have all the tools there. They're they're right there. Now you go and play the Titans. And the Titans, though Tannehill did not look good, um, they're they're a tough team. Like they're a well coached team. They're a tough defense. And the Chargers sometimes on the road, you travel not the best travel team. This is a huge game for LA, especially when we look at it. And you, if you're the Chargers, you got a gift that the Chiefs lost. Okay, you floundered that. You let that slip away. Only the Raiders have a win in that AFC West. You, the Broncos aren't going to be any good. You gotta win this game, man. Because let's say what we were talking about earlier, the Jaguars upset the Chiefs. Realm of possibility. If you're the Chargers, you have to start taking advantage of this. You gotta you gotta win. You gotta there's a yeah. chance for you to try to make some room in that division. You know a lot about NFL, your fantasy guy. Let's get into some of your fantasy tips this week. Oh boy. Well, you know what? When we look at this week, one of the hottest pickups was uh Kyron Williams um of the Rams running back. And Balzi, I was telling people on my show, live Sunday mornings, 10 a.m. Eastern on YouTube, the sick podcast with Andy McNamara. And we do a Tuesday show as well. Same channel. Um, is that you can't, before the season started, I said, you can't buy into Cam Akers. People said, oh, Cam Akers is back. Okay. Sean McVay has crowned Cam Akers before and mid game canceled him. Yeah. Whether it's for lack of explosivity, uh, discipline stuff, whatever. Cam Akers off of those injuries, the explosiveness is gone. Baldy, that guy averaged under two yards a carry. Wow. Under two, like you fall forward, you're falling a yard and a half. I average, right? I average like, more going to my couch watching the game. Yes, yes. You, you go fill up on the chips, you come back, you're up. You're, you're more than two yards. <laughs> so Tyron Williams was the one that popped. He was a hot waiver wire ad, but he's still available in about fifty to uh, forty to fifty percent of most redraft leagues. So. Kyron Williams, that running back, which is always tough. You want to get your hands on him and sticking with the Rams. Um, get yourself some Tutu Atwell. Puka Nakua, I love these names, phenomenal. Yeah. Um, Puka, who really went off last week, is questionable. It looks like he'll play, but he's questionable. So if you, you know, if you have that guy at the end of your fantasy team that you know you're not going to play, 
check out, see if uh, you can get yourself a little tutu Atwell from the Rams. Nice. How about how about uh, Eckler's been hurt with his ankle? He's the touchdown machine. How about Joshua mm. Kelly? Because the the Chargers are running the ball better with uh, their good offensive line. Yeah, like on a I'm long term, I'm not a yeah. Josh Kelly guy. I think we've seen enough that we kind of know where he is. However, however, um, he did produce. And he is, if he's going to get the starter share, that is something that we have to look at. I would say it's always worth getting a handcuff of an elite level running back like Eckler on your team. If you're an Eckler owner, or even if you're not, have the, have the handcuff, have the backup just in case. Um, if Eckler doesn't play, then I would have to think that Josh Kelly is a pretty safe play this week. Okay, so uh, if you're a newbie to fantasy football like me, okay, you know, uh, what, what kind of, like, I know we're starting now, you've got a team. Yeah. What kind of tips, uh, basic tips do you have mm-hmm. for somebody or uh, a guy or girl just doing this? So here's the thing. Don't, because there's probably some, especially if you have experienced uh, players in your league, mm-hmm. if you get an early season trade offer, tag me on Twitter at AndyMC81 at AndyMC Sports. Ask me because someone's trying to hose you. Okay. Someone's trying to trick you. Okay. So careful there. Also don't panic drop. So that means if a guy has a bad first week that you drafted high, don't drop him or don't trade him for nothing. Wait, we were just talking about how sometimes it takes teams some, a few weeks to ramp up. You don't want to be that sucker who drops a guy and like, Oh man. Then two weeks later, he's back where you thought he'd be. So be patient there and always look at the waiver wire. Always keep a player or two in your back pocket that you could drop at the end of your draft that you didn't necessarily like or, or need and pick up. So you could have, have room to pick up a guy like a 2 at 12, like a Kyron Williams per se, those type of guys. Yeah. Believe it or not, folks, I don't know everything. That's why I get a guy like this, Andy McNamara, on the show. <laughs> Where can they find you for NFL information once again? Oh, Absolutely, man. Yeah, get me on Twitter at AndyMC81 at SickPodBrowns, Instagram and TikTok at AndyMCSports. And every Sunday live, 10 a.m. Eastern, we answer all your fantasy football questions, the Sick Podcast with Andy McNamara. The link is in. Uh, it's on Twitter. It's on YouTube, all that good stuff. So tune in there. Ask, use hashtag AskAndy. Get your fantasy and betting questions in. Thanks, Andy. Take care, bud. All right, buddy. Talk to you. Time now for the Cage Clutch Performer. 620 CKRM. Swift. First down and a lot more. Inside the 20, inside the 10, and out of bounds with a first down and goal. And into the inside. Touchdown, Swift. Now that's right. We are giving some love to the running backs today. DeAndre Swift, he put on a clinic yesterday as the Philadelphia Eagles took down the Minnesota Vikings 34-28 to on Thursday Night Football. And DeAndre Swift, he carried the ball 28 times for 175 yards and a touchdown along the ground. He also had three catches for six yards. So no doubt, DeAndre Swift, you, sir, are our sports cage clutch performer for Nick Service in Emerald Park. Your local Massey Ferguson challenger, Rogator Gleaner, and Fent dealer. Give them a call at 781-1077. It's left either from Saskatoon or Regina. And uh, you can give Terry Kazis a call uh, or go into any of the CAA Travel Saskatchewan offices. It's a, a trip to Miami. We're going to watch the Florida Panthers and Dallas Stars, the Florida Panthers and Pittsburgh Penguins, and the Miami Dolphins, who after one week look like they have an unbelievable offense with Tua Tungavailoa, Tyreek Hill, Waddle, and everybody else taking on the Tennessee Titans on Monday Night Football. It's $2,700 
uh, based on a double occupancy, and it is um, taxes included, and you're going, uh, like I said, to Miami. It includes transportation to and from the airport, and uh, also to all the games. It's going to be great, man. And we're having one party at the rink. So we usually have a party. We're doing it at the rink. Uh, once again, get into any CAA travel in Saskatchewan, and uh, yeah, sign up. Nine seats left. Okay, nine seats. The Sports Cage is your voice for football, not only in the province, but around Canada. This is the Sports Cage CFL Report. A look at what's happening in our three-down game. CFL Report, just ahead of our pregame show with Daniela Ponticelli, Don Hewitt, and Wes Cage. CFL Report for Kevin's Marine. Make the most of summer with a boat or pontoon from Kevin's Marine. Check them out in Fort Coppell or online at kevinsmarine.com. Well, two games in the CFL docket tonight. The first one is Toronto against Montreal. With the win, the Argonauts can clinch the Eastern Division and have a bye in the first round of the playoffs all the way to the East Final. Defending champs have some injury issues, so they need the rest. But, wow, they could be like the last five games having really nothing to play for. It's going to be interesting to see how they manage it. I got the Argos winning by a touchdown tonight. Maybe more. I ain't, I ain't buying Cody Fajardo anymore. Uh, Jake Dolagala carries in a stretch where 117 passes without an interception. He's been protecting the ball real well. Had a pedestrian game against the Blue Bombers, but let's be honest, everybody did. 51-6, they got smoked. The Rough Riders take on the Edmonton Elks. It's the next-gen lights-out game for 7,000 fans. Get those light-up glasses. Be in your seats early to take part in the festivities. It's going to be a great game. The Rough Riders trying to sweep the season series from the Elks and basically finish off their chance for a playoff spot in the West at least and take a huge step towards securing a playoff spot themselves which is remarkable when you think they're down to their third quarterback different rotation of offensive linemen with the injuries but they get a break too Philip Blake is back he'll be dressed as the sixth offensive lineman and Tremaine Washington makes his debut the veteran defensive back will be replacing the former Nebraska Cornhusker and Ryder rookie Deontay Williams who is out with a hamstring injury our pregame show is next Daniela Ponticelli, Don Hewitt, the esteemed professor and the Ryder Plaza of Honor inductee, Westgate second best running back in Rough Rider history, will anchor the show from the Harvard Studio 620. Make sure you uh, tune us in. We are your most comprehensive and best CFL coverage, not just Ryder coverage, CFL coverage right here on Ryder Radio 620 CKRM. When I talk to you next, it'll be from the broadcast booth. Go Riders!